Well, hello, Heritage. I want to welcome all of you across our network as we begin our conversation around the reality that he still moves stones. This is a journey that will take us through the month of April. And if you joined us for the first time at Easter, and this is your second time here, I'm glad you're back. We're going to take the conversation we started last week a bit further. And if you missed that conversation, you can find it at heritageqc.com under the media tab. But I want to take a moment and do a bit of a quick review of some of the things we talked about last week. You see, Easter changes everything. And it gives us an opportunity to address the physical and spiritual realities of our life. Because we start, physically, we start alive, but we move towards death. Spiritually, we start dead with an opportunity, because of God's love for us, to move towards life. We'll spiritually live forever, but, but physically we face death. We start with life and we move towards death. Spiritually, it's the opposite. We start dead with an opportunity to move towards life. And we'll live forever spiritually. The question is, where? See, there's a consequence for sin. The consequence is death. It's not a punishment God can change. It's a consequence he cannot. It's death. It's death relationally, physically, spiritually. Every time we choose to sin in our physical bodies, we choose the consequence of death. That's our problem. But because God loves us, through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, he's addressed the problem. He's fulfilled the requirement. He's made a way. So we no longer have to choose death. We can choose life. But people often look at Easter and don't understand what it is because they think Easter is just about a death leading to a resurrection. And it's not. It's not about a death leading to a resurrection. It's about a love leading to a rescue. A love leading to a rescue that's expressed through a death and resurrection. There's a difference. See, when we look at Easter as only a death leading to a resurrection, well, then we can simply be impressed and amazed at what happened. But when we understand that it is a love leading to a rescue... Well, now we're positioned to choose, to choose to be rescued or not. You know, there are some times in life where I think we wonder where God is and what he's doing. There may be seasons of loss or grief, death or setbacks or any time Ohio State is winning in any sport. We wonder where he's at. But then there are the moments where he's so powerfully present and so significantly moving and manifesting his power through, the, through his Holy Spirit, that there is no doubt where he is or what he's doing. It happened in the Old Testament. It happened in the New Testament. And it still happens today. In fact, it happened last week in our church as he moved in a manner where 271 people said yes to God. Amazing. 114 of those were first-time decisions, first-time rescues. That is not the first time that, that God has moved powerfully in our heritage family, and it's certainly not the last. But this is why Easter is so awesome. It's why I love Easter. There was a Canadian pastor and theologian named A.B. Simpson. He said this about Easter. He said, Easter is New Year's Day for the soul. It is a day of new beginnings, of new life, of starting over. 
I love his perspective. It is a launching pad, not a destination. Easter is a, is a time of new beginning that positions us for, for more, and we need to understand how and for what, which is why we're taking a few weeks to unpack the reality that he still moves stones. See, this world can be a really tough place to live. We experience pain, we experience loss, setbacks, we make mistakes, we have regrets. People do things to us and around us, and all of those things can kind of become obstacles for us receiving the rescue that Jesus offers. Those things can hover above us, they can weigh upon us and and push us down, and we can end up looking like this guy Underneath the weight of the world, just the the things of this world that push in and weigh against us. But remember, Easter changes everything. We can address the physical and the spiritual realities of our life. And there's more than one stone that he wants to roll away. Because he still moves stones. He still moves stones. He frees, he empowers, he heals. He still moves stones when we let him. When we let him. That's your first feeling. If you're tracking along in the certain note guide, this is designed just to help as we study God's word today. But he still moves stones when we let him. He still moves what? Yeah, he still moves stones when we let him. Now, they may not be literal gravestones, but there's plenty of other things in life that become those obstacles that, that really function as stones to us living a full life. And Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So what Jesus did has positioned us to have the consequence of death removed. Yeah, we still die physically, but spiritually we can live. And when we live spiritually, then that impacts how we live physically. And we can live in freedom. He still moves stones when we let him. He moves stones of of fear and doubt and worry and anger and pain. He still moves stones when we let him. You know, I think it's important that we understand how he does that. Because if we don't, we never truly live in the freedom he offers. So I want to invite you to grab your Bible and turn with me to the book of Romans. It's the sixth book of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. If you get to Corinthians, it's too far. So click or turn to Romans. If you don't have a Bible with you, the scripture's in your note guide and it's also gonna be up on the screen. But we're picking up and hanging in this section of scripture scripture for the majority of our time. This is a passage or a, a book that a man by the name of Paul wrote. And, and Paul, once, once he found new life and rescue in Jesus, he became a missionary and church planter like no other. And he writes this in Romans chapter eight, starting with verse one. He says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. So let me just hold here. The 271 people who filled out tear-off cards and told us that they said yes to God now stand with no condemnation. They belong to Jesus. The 114 for the first time in their life. And if if you've not made that step and said yes to God, I want you to know you can because you then can belong to Jesus and stand with no condemnation, the consequence of death removed. Because you belong to him. The power of the life-giving spirit has freed you. Has what? Freed you. And we're free. Not can be, might be, should be. 
you are free. The Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. So the consequence of death is removed through Jesus Christ. What he did in his life, death, and resurrection removes that consequence. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. It was rules, and no one follows the rules completely. We couldn't hang and live a holy life by following the rules. So God did what couldn't be done by us. He goes on to do what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. That's what we celebrate at Easter. That's what we remember at Good Friday. And because of that, he did this so that the just requirement of the law, that death consequence, the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. My friends, we are free in Jesus. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can be free. But if you believe in your heart and have professed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you are free. Not can be free. You are free. The Spirit has freed you. Sadly, many people who find rescue at Easter never fully walk in the freedom that Jesus offers. They remain stuck in a position of bondage. They don't walk in the freedom. Although the stone has been rolled away, they don't live in true freedom. In Jesus, we are free. Not can be. We are. Yet we can remain stuck by our own choice, and we don't have to be stuck because we don't move fully into the freedom. See, without Jesus, we don't have a choice. We have the consequence in our life. There is no choice. But with Jesus, we do, and we are free in him. And I gotta tell you that we can measure our freedom by the number of things we can't walk away from. We can measure our freedom by the number of things we can't walk away from. There's a number of ways to look at that statement. You can look at it as not walking away from the things we shouldn't walk away from, the things that are good and noble and right and true and pure. But I want to look at it from the perspective of the things that keep us stuck, that the things that keep us uh, blocked with the stones in our life that keep us in bondage, things like fear and worry, uh, addictions, uh, unhealthy habits, unhealthy relationships, lifestyle choices, even things like food and money can keep us stuck. So rather than looking at the things that are true and honorable and right and pure today, I want to talk about the things that keep us enslaved, slaves to our desire, slaves to our appetites, because we can measure our freedom by the number of things we can't walk away from. It kind of reminds me how people in places like Africa and India capture monkeys. I don't know if you're familiar with how they do this, but they use the natural curiosity of the monkey to, to draw them in, and then they also use their inability to let go to capture them. So I want to use an old school educational video, one of those that have the, like the man with the perfect radio voice narrating it to help us understand this principle. So check this out. First, he laboriously drills a hole in a giant ant heap when he is sure a baboon is watching him because he knows baboons are incurably inquisitive. Next, he puts some wild melon seeds into the hole and works them in so that they drop into a hollow. 
Then he saunters off, knowing the baboon is burning with curiosity. The baboon doesn't trust that human being at all, so he plays it cool. But he's dying to know what gives in that confounded hole. Finally, Mr. Inquisitive can't take it any longer. He's got to know what's in there. He reaches in, grabs a fistful, and now his hand's too big to come out. If he had the sense to drop the seed, he could free his hand. Now he lets go when it's too late. Ah! Look, he took him home, he became a pet, beloved pet for the rest of his life among the family. Just saying. <laughs> Listen, maybe you found that interesting, maybe you found that heartbreaking. But either way, I gotta tell you, it's pitiful. Because he forfeited his freedom simply because he wouldn't let go. He could have walked away. Sadly, he didn't. And I shared that here today because I think we do the very same thing. When we hold to a habit, or we hold on to an unhealthy relationship or unhealthy thought patterns, we become stuck. We hold to habits and desires that ultimately harm us, keep us from living in the freedom that Jesus gives us, when we actually, all we need to do is walk away. But yet we stay stuck. We no longer need to follow our sinful nature in Jesus. Yet many of us lay hold of something, and it keeps us stuck, when we don't have to anymore. And we can measure our freedom by the number of things we can't walk away from. So let's keep reading. Back to Romans 8, verse 5. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. Those would be the people who lay hold of something and refuse to let go. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Those would be people who let go and live in freedom. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. So grabbing hold of something and not releasing it leads to capture. It leads to imprisonment. It leads to bondage. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. That's freedom when we let go. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature, those holding on tightly to something in a closed fist, can never please God. Never please God and never live in true freedom. This is an issue of, of letting go or holding tightly, of freedom or capture. So let go. Let go and walk in freedom. Choose. Choose. We all know what, what it's like to struggle with sin, to do what we don't want to do and not do what we know we should do. We see this in areas of desire, our thoughts, our, our words, our relationships, even our character. It can be big or small, it can be public or private, but we all know what it's like to struggle. But Jesus said, I tell you the truth, anyone who sins is a slave to sin. 
Anyone who sins is a slave to sin. Which inherently what he's saying is that, that we're a slave to what we obey. We're a slave to whatever we obey, to whatever we hold tightly to and refuse to release. We have all sinned and we carry the consequence of that sin. There is no exception. There's no loopholes. We are a slave to what we obey. And we need Jesus to help us live in the freedom that he offers. We cannot do it on our own. We cannot do it on our own. He came to rescue us. He came to give us life. He spared us from the tragedy of death. And whenever we receive that life, we, and that beauty of no longer having the tragedy, we can actually take that, that rescue and move it back to tragedy. When we lay hold of something and refuse to let go, when we try to manage our physical and spiritual realities in our own strength, and our own abilities, it never works out because we don't know what we're doing. We don't have it in us. When we lay hold of something and keep it in our tight grip, we go back to a sinful consequence that we don't have to stay in. Look, I, I want to take one minute to look at this from a different angle. I think when we're talking about heavy and serious things like this, it helps to look at it from a more lighthearted perspective. And so I want to show you a one-minute classic video. It's one that I love that just helps us understand this from a different perspective. Check this out. late. Somebody will come. Anybody out there? Do you have a phone? No. Sorry. Somebody! Hello? There are two people stuck on an escalator and we need help. Now, would somebody please do something? Don't believe this. You gotta be kidding me. <laughs> I'm gonna cry. <laughs> well, there's not enough left to do, is it? <laughs> Hilarious! Hilarious! They're not stuck! They can walk off at any time! But they don't! They don't! Look, look, this is a, a great way to help us. Look at this heavy perspective, this heavy subject from a different perspective, a more humorous one. Because we are free in Jesus. But many of us never walk in that true freedom. We fail to live into that freedom. We don't walk away. We stay standing on an escalator, absurdly waiting for help. Because we don't understand we're free in Jesus. We're free. Honestly, how we see the problem, I think, often is the problem. And I think we struggle to live in true freedom because I think our perspective of what that freedom is and when it comes and how it comes is wrong. I think we don't realize we are free in Jesus. I, th I think we don't realize that we have a closed fist, that that's what's keeping us stuck. We don't realize that we can walk off the escalator because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. That spirit that raised Jesus lives in us, therefore frees us and gives us life. We can walk off. We can let go. We don't have to stay stuck. Let's go back to what Paul wrote. 
Romans 8, starting with verse 9. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. Not, not controlled by the physical realities. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. So here we go. Belonging to Him means rescue. It means we have asked Him to be Savior and Lord. We've received new life spiritually. We belong to Him in rescue. But here's what he goes on to say. That we ultimately do not belong to Him if we don't live in that Spirit. The Spirit of Christ living in them doesn't belong to us at all if we're stuck. But, verse 10, Christ lives within you, so even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit gives life. Verse 11, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. The, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. That's phenomenal. And it changes everything. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. It's the same spirit. We can be free. If you follow Jesus, you're free. The 271 people who said yes to God are free. No longer condemned. No longer in chains. Free. They have resurrection power in them to live in freedom. But when we don't understand that freedom, we don't understand how it works, then we stand on broken escalators and we keep our fist closed in the hole. And we're stuck. Even though Jesus has changed everything about it. And Jesus says we can be free. He came, he lived, he died so we can be free. But we will never live into that freedom if we don't let go of the things we hold to and lay hold completely of him. Just lay hold of him. Easter reminds us of the freedom we can have by the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. That's why we can say that the empty tomb is more a symbol of our freedom than his. We dug into this a bit last week. That empty tomb is more a symbol of our freedom than his. It means we can be free. The stones of our life can be rolled away. Our life can be resurrected. So here's a shift in thinking that for many of you may be the key to living in greater levels of freedom. You see, that salvation moment, that forgiveness moment is a beginning point where we receive freedom. But freedom is lived out in lordship. It started at salvation, initiated at salvation, but it's perpetuated in lordship. See, we can, we can be forgiven and we can be free. We, can, we can't do either one of those on our own. But through Jesus, we can have them. But we mess it up on our own. But when we try to handle it, we complicate it. We keep our, our fist and hand closed. We can even take our freedom and flat out forfeit it as we stand on an escalator. But salvation is primarily an issue of forgiveness where we receive freedom. And freedom, though, is an issue of lordship, which is why he needs to be Lord. It's why we don't just ask him to be Savior and save us from our sins. We ask him to be Lord where we give him authority. That's an issue of identity. And freedom is started at, at salvation, but it's perpetuated in lordship. When we live for him, when we live according to his purposes, 
That may be the reason you have struggled in an area of freedom. Let's go back to Romans, verse 12. Therefore, dear friends and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. All who submit to his lordship have the identity of being children of God. See, the rescue relieves us from the obligation. Our daily choice to live under the lordship and authority of Jesus gives us freedom and gives us power. And we're going to talk more about the implications of that power and what that power really means. But today, I want you to understand that in Jesus, you are free. You are free by the power of the Spirit. When we submit to his lordship, we receive the identity of children of God. Jesus sets us free. So, what do we do? What's the point of all this? What are takeaways? Well, I want to give three takeaways for us today. And the first of which is that there is freedom in Jesus. There is freedom in Jesus, and only Jesus. One of the biggest mistakes that we make in our journey toward freedom, and I think we do it a lot, is that we try to rely on ourselves. We choose our willpower and our self-discipline to lead us into freedom. But freedom is not gained in a battle of will or self-control. Freedom is in Jesus by the Holy Spirit, and that's it. Pursuing freedom through self-control or willpower is merely a journey in behavior modification. And, and it will only be a matter of time before we stumble and fall again, when we're relying on willpower and self-discipline. No matter how strong or determined you are, it's only a matter of time. We're like Paul, where we do what we don't want to do. We just keep on doing what we don't want to do. We reach into the hole. We lay, it, we lay our tight-fisted grasp upon those things. But in Jesus, we can truly be free. Jesus himself said in John chapter 8, he said, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. In Jesus, there is freedom. But we need him to help us live in that freedom. And we need to move past simple belief and a moment of decision to a lifestyle of surrender. Surrendering to his authority, to his power, to his strength. And if you've never done that, you still can today. The prayer on the back of the sermon note guide walks you through a couple steps, and that'll move you from spiritual death to spiritual life. You can be free today just having that conversation. There is freedom in Jesus. That's first. Second is freedom is lost unless it's lived. Freedom is lost unless it's lived. That's pretty much the whole point of this conversation today. That too many people receive freedom but don't walk in it. Even people who should know better. People who have known God or walked with God for years. Still struggle in a place of freedom. And they don't need to. There, there's no exemption from the, the temptation to go back based on tenure. There is the real reality of temptation even now. But those who are still under the control of their sinful nature, they can never please God. It doesn't, know, it doesn't matter how long you have known him or walked with him. If you're living according to the sinful nature, you cannot please him. And you cannot live by the power of the Spirit on your own. It only comes through the power of God as he invests it to us. Well, the last time we saw the man and woman on the escalator, we, we left them stuck just kind of waiting for help. I want to give you the last 30 seconds of what happened in their journey. Check this out. 
Hey, don't worry about it. I'll fix it in a second. <laughs> he said he can fix it. <laughs> All right. All right. That's more like it. He says he can fix it. in the freedom that Jesus gives you. Because if you don't, you lose. You lose it. I'm not talking about losing your salvation. I'm talking about the freedom that he gives. If you don't live it, you lose it. In another letter that Paul wrote to the church in Galatia, he said this. He said, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Don't go back. Don't keep standing there. The beauty of, of freedom is that we get to choose. The risk in freedom is that we get to choose. Don't go back. Don't go back. Don't stay in the grave of sin. It's ridiculous to think that anyone would stay in a grave once they have been brought back to life. It's, it's ridiculous. Once they've received rescue, it's just as absurd as standing on a broken escalator. Walk off in the name of Jesus. Walk off. Let go of whatever you're holding to in that closed fist. Let, let go and give it to Jesus. Let him take it. Live in freedom. Look, there will always be a greater temptation to go back to stay on the escalator, to reach back in the hole once we have chosen rescue, once we have said yes to God. Because the moment we do that, the enemy seeks to stop the things of God and raises up his game, ramps up the temptations in our life. So the 271 of you who said yes to God last week, I guarantee the spiritual battle around you this past week was intensified. It was more significant. Because every time, every time we say yes to God, the battle increases. Don't go back. Live in the freedom that you have been given because it's lost if it's not lived. Third, Jesus gives freedom, not license. Jesus gives freedom, not license. He gives liberty, not license. It's not permission to do whatever we want, but to do what he wants, to actually do what we are created to do in the first place. Not to live for ourselves or to continue to indulge ourselves, but to live for him. Paul said it this way in Galatians 2. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, physically, I live by faith, spiritually, in the Son of God. Who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus gives freedom, not license. And true freedom is won or lost on your knees before God. In the secret places, in the quiet places where you work out surrender and control in your life. Freedom is always first an internal reality. It will always first be an internal victory before it is ever a real and lasting external victory. It is never the opposite way. We may start on the outside and we may see some victory, but at some point it will always break down because we don't have the ability to live in freedom. And if you struggle to live in freedom, it may be how you view the problem in the first place. 
because we can measure our freedom by the number of things we can't walk away from. I want to leave you with a question. It's simply, what's not happening because you're not living in freedom? What's not happening in your life or in the lives of those around you because you're not living in freedom? You've got a hand in the hole. You stand stuck in a place that you're really not stuck emotionally, relationally. What's not happening because you're not living in freedom in your marriage, in your relationship with your kids, with your parents, with your coworkers? Our God is a stone-moving God, and he overcomes any bondage, any addiction, any brokenness. He raises the dead to life, and he can resurrect your life and lead you to freedom if you let him. So let him. Pray, have a conversation, ask him to give you the power and the strength to live in the freedom that he gives by his spirit. If you do that, he will. He will. In Jesus, you are free. He gives the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead to us. And that is power. Power to live in freedom. And we're going to talk more about that next week and dig into what that power means. But I want to leave you with something else that Paul wrote in that same letter to the church in Galatia. He said, it is absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. Absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. Just make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows. My friends, in Jesus, you are free. You are free. But I wonder what's not happening in your life because you're not living in that freedom. You got to choose to let go and choose to walk off the escalators in your life. And by the power of the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, you live in freedom. But you got to choose. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, even though in this life there are many things that do cause wounds and pain, we have made mistakes and we have regrets. People have done things to us and done things around us, and each of those create potential obstacles to us receiving the rescue you offer and living into the freedom that you give. Father, I pray that you would help each one of us to sit in stillness before you today and ask where we are not living in true freedom, to understand what's not happening in our life or in the lives of those around us because we're not living in freedom. And once you reveal that by your spirit, God, I pray that you would give us the courage to step boldly off the escalator, to quickly release our hold, open that closed fist, and choose freedom because your son, when he sets something free, it is free indeed. And we don't want to be a slave to the things of this world. We want to be a slave to you. Not just for the, the joy and the provision that you bring into our life in that, but for the glory that you receive as we live out the freedom that your son gives. So Father, may you continue to speak to each one of us as we step back into another expression of worship through song. I love you. I pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.